whenever I hear that, I, I just want to like start dancing. But I would embarrass the bejesus out of my kids, and so I won't, uh, I won't even consider doing that. Um, speaking of my kids, I want to share the story because I promised myself that I would. Um, yesterday when we were driving, we went to, everybody been to Waldock Farms? Waldock? Waldock? Is it Waldock? Or Waldock? I don't know, whatever. Anyways, we went there, had a great time, it was really cool. Um, and, uh, uh, but while we were driving there, my, my daughter and I, we were, we're both pretty st- stubborn, and sometimes we, we kind of uh, start kidding each other. And, and uh, so we were doing one of those things while we were driving and stuff. And my son, he's nine years old, he goes, he goes, guys, I don't know what the situation is here, but I think we need to stop. <laughs> okay, that has absolutely nothing to do with anything I'm about to talk about here. I just thought that was super funny. So <laughs> anyways. Well, it's good to see everybody. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, we're in this series that uh, we're, we're calling, basically, we are the church, but uh, the, the whole premise of the series is uh, looking at the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, now, if you were here a couple weeks ago, we had one of our missionaries, David Yonke, uh, come, and uh, he was uh, inspiring, and I heard a lot of great things about um, uh, his words and, and how it is that he began opening up the, the framework of, of the gospel and what it is to, to preach the gospel to those who desperately need it. And last week, then, what we specifically did is we looked at the what. So what is the gospel? We talk a lot about the gospel, we talk a lot about spreading the gospel, but, but last week we said, okay, well, what is it? Do we really know what it is? And so we looked at kind of the ins and outs, but in order to start that, I offered a definition for missions. Now, missions specifically in the Christian life, what it is that we are all about here as, as a church and as believers. What is missions? How is it that we could and maybe should define that? And so I, I offer this definition as a possibility. So I said missions is the act of being sent for the purpose, the primary purpose of spreading the gospel of Jesus. The act of being sent for the primary purpose of spreading the gospel of Jesus. Now, in, in laying out that definition, one of the obvious questions that came up is, well, what is, or who's, being, who's sending us? So if it's the act of being sent, because specifically we looked at how missions is from the Latin word missio, which means to be sent. So who is it the one that's sending us? Well, Jesus, right? And we looked at specifically uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 15, where Jesus says, go into all the world, and preach the gospel to all creation. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And as we kind of dissected the what of the gospel, it became clear to, to us that the gospel is Jesus. And that's so cool because in this moment when Jesus is saying this, he's, he's literally saying, go into all the world and preach me. Preach me. Now, it's a pretty bold statement. We admitted that last week. And that could only really be legit if Jesus was then God. And so we looked at that. You know, uh, how is it that we can, we can say with confidence that Jesus is God? And as we looked at all those things that point to the fact that Jesus is, in fact, God, we looked at these key points. We looked at how Jesus is the central figure 
the central figure of the gospel. And that Jesus is in fact God in the flesh. And why that that's important. Because when we were, when we were full of sin, when it, sin was determining the destination of death for each and every one of us, no man could live a sinful life and provide the way for us to have a right relationship with God. No man could do that. And so the only one who could was God. And so God needed to become man. So not only is Jesus a central figure, but Jesus is then God, and because he's God, only Jesus can save. And then we look specifically at Jesus' primary mission, and he tells us this, is to seek and save the lost. To seek and save the lost, and how now that is our mission, that we've been tasked with that, to seek and to save the lost. So as I mentioned last week, we looked at the what. You know, what is this thing that we, we, we refer to as the gospel, the gospel of Jesus? And today, we're going to look at the why. Now, I, I enjoy running. I haven't been doing maybe as much of it as, as I would like to over the last year. And, and as a result, I labored through the marathon. Oh, it, it was really a struggle because when you're, when you're in the marathon, everybody goes, hey, you're doing good. Keep running. But you're walking. It's, it's just a horrible, horrible situation. And it gets under your skin. But I, I got through it and I got my medal because I was bound and determined. Even though I didn't train well, I paid the $100. I wanted my medal. I wanted my shirt. And so I finished, but I do enjoy it, and I need to get back into it more regularly. Now, one of the things that I really love about running is being able to run outside. I'm not a big fan of the treadmill, all right? And so I like getting outside and, 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 and running, you know, in, on trails and whatnot. But I actually really like not only running outside, but I like running outside at night. Anybody else like a, like a nighttime runner or when it's dark, so maybe early in the morning? I also like running in the cold as, as opposed to the heat. And I also like running when there's snow on the ground. Like, that's, that's my kind of preference. Now, that poses a problem because when you're running at night, when it's cold, and when there's snow on the ground, there will inevitably be what? Ice, right? And so because there's ice, you need a headlamp. Oh, you need one when you're running outside at night anyways, right? But this headlamp is even more important because you never know when those ice patches are going to creep up on you. Now, I have this headlamp. I've had it for a while, and I've used it quite a bit. I'm not going to uh, display it for you here, but because there is a picture I'd like to show you. Uh, that's me. Yeah. And uh, it, was, uh, it was at night, and it was in the winter, and, and uh, I was running outside, obviously, and, and I had my headlamp with me. And uh, uh, so this is a vital, vital component, and I love it because it, it really provides the brightness that I need to ensure, sorry about that, sorry, <laughs> it, it, it's the brightness that I need to make sure that I don't uh, injure myself. Now, one time, one time when I was uh, uh, working at the church prior to uh, when I came here, um, I, I was working late into the night, and it was about 9 o'clock, and, and I decided I was going to run home. I had set it up that way. I brought clothes to change into, and, and uh, I was going to run home about the six miles that it took to get home. And uh, I'm ready to go, so it's night, it's winter, it's cold, and there's ice on the ground, and I realized I forgot my headlamp. That's a really, really 
uh, rough situation, but I was bound and determined because I'm stubborn, and so I'm like, I'm going to go anyways. And one of my friends stopped me, and he said, hey, listen, I, this is stupid. I got a headlamp you can use, and he let me borrow it, and it made all the difference because I guarantee if I didn't have that, I would have injured myself. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the importance of light in the midst of darkness. How vital it is for light to be prevalent when darkness is so substantial. Now, when we look at the why of the gospel, one of the things that we need to point out, now I, I want to I uh, caveat this before we put it up on the screen, before this first point comes up, I want to make it clear that when you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus and make him the leader of your life. So if you have yet, if this is you, if you have yet to embrace the gospel that is Jesus, the love and the salvation that can only be afforded to you once you believe in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for your sins and that he rose from the dead, and that if you believe in him that you will be saved. If that isn't you, one, I want you to know that you can be saved in a moment, in an instant, just like that. And two, that is not an evaluation or condition of your worth. Meaning this, the only difference between a lost person, which is a person that we're going to say is someone who is not saved, someone who hasn't made that decision to find and follow Jesus, right? If you're, the only difference between a lost person and a saved person is a saved person is guaranteed to have salvation and spend eternity in the presence of our Lord. But it doesn't make that person any better. If anything, a saved person becomes saved because they realize how desperate they are in need of a Savior because they can't save themselves. And so when we say that someone who isn't saved is lost, that isn't a condition of their worth, that isn't to say that they're less than, because this whole place is made up of imperfect people. A bunch of screwed up people we are. But we're saved by grace. Only because of Jesus. So when we look at the why, the condition of the why, when it pertains to the gospel, the first and very important point is this, that the lost cannot see. The lost cannot see. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul, a key figure in the New Testament, he wrote a lot of the letters, a lot of the books that are in the New Testament in the Bible, and he wrote First and Second Corinthians. And Second Corinthians is where we're going to reside in here today, and specifically chapter 4 and chapter 5. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to uh, chapter 4. Uh, if you don't, there are Bibles in front of you, or certainly you can use your Bible app as well, or it's going to be on the screen. And Paul begins to lay out the why. So if we looked at the what, what is the gospel? Now, why is it that the gospel is so important? Well, the first thing that Paul points to in chapter 4, verse 4, is that the lost cannot see. He says this, the God of this age, so the evil one, Satan, the devil, whatever it is that you want to, uh, what term you want to use, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel 
that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So the lost cannot see, meaning that it is not at all within their power, within a person's power who has yet to have a right relationship with God through Jesus, it is not within their power to be able to see the glory of God. That's a problem. That's a big problem. And so how does God remedy that problem? Well, we see the, the remedy here two verses later in verse 6. And this is so cool. This is what he says in verse 6. He says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, in the hearts of believers, in, heart, in the hearts of those who have given their life to Jesus to shine the light in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And so the lost cannot see. That's a big problem. So to remedy that, to remedy that God's given us the ability to shine the light of God. We can shine the light of God. And so in this reality, this, 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 this recognition that an unbeliever, someone who hasn't given their life to Jesus, cannot see the glory of God, God has positioned us, those who are believers, to be able to be the mechanism in which the unbelievers can see God's glory because we can shine His light. Does that make sense? We can shine the glory of God. See, God's in the business of shining light in dark places. We see this right away, right off the bat in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. So literally at the beginning, right? God says what? Let there be light. He probably said it better than that. Let there be light. Something like that. That was bad. Anyways, whatever. <laughs> but you get, the, you get the picture. God says let there be light. Why? Because he, he, he is not satisfied. He's not wanting anything or anyone to exist in darkness. God is light. And as such, because the lost live in darkness, because of their sin, he shines his light through us, through those who believe, through those who have made a confession in Jesus Christ. Our light shines out to those who cannot see it otherwise. And so God's glory is personified in Jesus and then shined through those who believe. And as such, this is really cool and this is so important. When we fully embrace Jesus Christ and what it is that He did for us, the great sacrifice that He became, when we truly embrace that, the Bible tells us that we are then compelled by God. We are compelled by God because of Jesus' love. The love of Jesus compels us. And we see that in verse 14 of chapter 5, where Paul writes, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that no one died for all and therefore all died. So we are compelled by the love of Jesus when we truly embrace what it is that he's done. We are compelled. Now, we all know what that word means, and we've experienced it on different levels, right? 
Now, you've been laying in bed late at night, and you've, been, you've woken up, and sometimes you've been compelled to go into the kitchen and eat that piece of cake, right? Or you've been, you've been at a, a grocery store, and you've seen someone struggle to lift up a, a bag of dog food, and you've been compelled to help lift that up for them. Or you've been walking through a downtown street and seen a homeless person asking for, for money, and you've been compelled to help them in their time of need. We all have been compelled in various degrees in different situations. But here... Here, Paul is saying that when we embrace the love of Christ, that we cannot help ourselves, that the love of God compels us to shine the light of Jesus. And that's important because we've been entrusted with the message of Jesus Christ. We've been entrusted with this message. Further on in verses 18 through 19 of chapter 5, uh, Paul says this. He says, All this is from God, who reconciled himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And then he gives the, the definition of that. He says that this is that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, in Jesus, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us. He has committed to us this message of reconciliation. See, we've been reconciled through, through, uh, through, with God through Christ, and we've then been given this message. And that's a, that's a big word, reconciliation. It's maybe a word that you don't use often. So what does that mean? Well, uh, Philip Riken, he's the president of Wheaton College, and he gives a definition that I particularly enjoy. He says that reconciliation is part of the message of salvation that brings us back together with God. When at one point our relationship with God was broken, right? We talked about that last week. Because of sin, what once was a right relationship between uh, humanity and a perfect God has been broken because of sin. That when we, when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, that we are reconciled, that relationship is restored. That we're made right with God, not because of our actions, but because of what Jesus did. And as such, we are now his ambassadors. We are God's ambassadors. Paul gives us this task in verse 20. He says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God, I love this, as though God were making his appeal through us. As though God were making his appeal through us. Uh, the definition of an ambassador, uh, just you know, that we would maybe use today, that, that uh, word is a personal representative of his or her own head of state to the head of state of the host country. So in this essence, God is the head of state and we are then his personal representative. The last thing that we, we want to point out here is that only in Jesus can someone be made righteous. Only in Jesus can someone be made righteous. We see that in first, 2 Corinthians 5.21 where, where Paul says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. That's what's at stake. 
So let's, let's go through this because as we put all this together, we start seeing our place in this puzzle. The lost cannot see. Someone, and maybe someone here in this room who has yet to make a decision to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior because only hope, only life can actually exist through Jesus. The promise of eternal salvation can only exist through Jesus because of what he did, but the lost can't see that. And to remedy that, God has then allowed or made us the light to shine in the midst of that blindness, in the midst of that darkness. And as such, we've been tasked with this responsibility. We've been given this message. Just as Jesus said in Mark 16, go into all the world and preach me. So, I, I, uh, I like smart bulbs. Anybody have a smart bulb in their home? All right. Well, I have a few. And um, I have them in my office, too. And it just makes it easier and it impresses people. Whatever. But with a smart bulb, one of the things that's important to, to, to know about this, this level of technology, and I can't, I can't detail all the specifics as to how this works, or I'm not even going to try, but one of the things that I do know is that this lamp is turned on, meaning that the switch here that controls the, the, the light being brought to this light bulb is turned on. But the bulb itself is not shining that light. And so that, that is the way that a lot of us live our lives, and that may be where some of you are here today, where you've received the glory of God through Jesus Christ, and so you've received that power, you've received that salvation that's in you, but you're not shining the light of Jesus Christ. You are not revealing God's glory through Jesus so that others can see those that are blind, those that do not have a relationship with Jesus. But that's not what God desires for the lost because what was Jesus' mission? What was it? To seek and save the lost. And that is now our mission. And so instead of living our lives like this, we need to shine the light of Jesus. We need to not only you know, understand that we've received the glory that is Jesus and God's love, but then be willing to shine that glory to a world that so desperately needs it. This is, this is the only valid Christian faith. This is the only valid Christian life, meaning that if you're determined to live your life like this, comfortable in your salvation, okay in the fact that you are eternally secure because not of what you did, but because of what Jesus did, but you're unwilling, or maybe you don't have the courage, or maybe you feel like you don't have the knowledge, and whatever it is, whatever motivation that exists, you've decided not to shine your light to those who desperately need to be saved. But this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that there are people in your circle, 
There are friends, there are family members, there are neighbors, there are people that you're going to run into who will not, who will not see God's glory and who will not be saved because this is how you live your life. That's what the Bible's telling us. We've been tasked. We've been blessed. We've been given the responsibility to shine the glory of God through the face of Jesus Christ and to live our lives where others can see. The Bible says that when we do this, that those who can't see, they will. Let's pray. Father, Lord, today is another day, another opportunity that we have to be challenged by how it is, Lord, that you want to mold us and shape us. And it is yet another opportunity, another day where we have to make a conscious decision to move towards where you lead. And if we've gotten into the habit of ignoring your leading or maybe embracing it for a moment or a day or a week and then letting it slip by, I pray that this would be the exception. I pray that today that there would be such a movement in our hearts. Lord, that we would take an honest look at our lives and we would invite you, Father, in ways that we haven't yet before. Lord, that we would understand, that I would understand that there are people who are blind to your glory and that the only way for them to see it is for me to shine the light of Jesus. May I, may all those here today be determined to never let that light fade. Pray this in your name. Amen.